This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Grace Johnson, special issues editor, writer, bibliophile, and uh, butterboard connoisseur, as we're going to get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. How are you, Grace? I'm doing pretty great, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a minute since we talked, mm-hmm. uh, but I figured now would be a really good time to, considering it's winter. Yes, the snow has fallen. I do the bulk of my reading in the winter, and as the Pulse's resident book person mm-hmm. figured we could come on and we could talk books literature and then uh, after the break you discovered became obsessed with and then created a butterboard yes for the pulse office and it was spoiler warning incredible so we'll get into that after the break but to start i just wanted to kind of check in and uh before we talk about some of the stuff that you've been writing how's your reading going pretty good actually you know as well i tend to get a little bit busier in the summer and can't quite keep up. So I feel like I pick up a little more around this time of year and I'm currently actually buddy reading a book with your wife. That's true. Yes. Uh, this is your second buddy read together, right? Yes. Last year we also did a buddy read for a sequel of a series that we had also read the first one together. So it's always really fun to read with somebody else who's just kind of obsessed as you are and have conversations and things like that. So you know, kind of helps keep you wanting to go and, you know, just being able to shoot messages to each other and freak out about everything. So, right. Again, another reason why this time of the year is kind of like the ideal time to get back into reading is because Door County Reads is coming up too. Mm-hmm. That I think they're going to kick off end of December and then January is when they'll like kind of have their events going. Yeah. So we're announcing the pick for next year in our November 23rd Thanksgiving issue. So we'll have all the details about it. We're not allowed to say what the book is right now. So keep an eye out for that. And then they hand out the books right after Thanksgiving. It's the Friday. And then the events really kick off in January. And then we have the featured author usually comes to speak. And I believe he's coming in February. Nice. Uh, The announcement is a lot sooner than I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So next week already, that'll be exciting. We have another thing that we're going to announce next week. And we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Mm -hmm. But uh, you mentioned that series that you and my wife are reading. Mm -hmm. She is now having me go back and read the first of that like kind of trilogy series. Throne of Glass, I think is what it's called. Well, right now we're reading The Poppy War. Oh. Yes. Well, so, I, I had meant the one that. Oh, the previous that. one. Yeah, yes. the, the Croissant City. Yes. Are you talking about Croissant City? Yes. It's Sarah not J. Mass's books. Yeah. Um, Sarah J. Mass, for people who don't know, you know how, like, our generation, the 20s and 30s year olds, we started reading for fun with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting back into reading by reading Sarah J. Mass, who yeah. makes, I guess you could call it fairy erotica. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, when it's really boiled down to it, yes. She is such a popular author. I mean, I feel like I have a pretty mid, you know, balanced feeling about her writing where I don't think it is, you know, the next great tome of our time or anything like that. But I also don't really understand all of the hate that she gets, you know, just opinions, but it's always just really fun. And it has really sparked a lot of people to start reading again. And she has a few series, but the one that Victoria and I had read is actually called Crescent City. I said Croissant City earlier, but that's just because 
jokes. Right. And it seems like she is working towards this kind of like ever popular mm-hmm. universe of book writing. Like the other yep. the other author right now that's really big is Brandon Sanderson. Sanderson Sanderson. Sanderson. And yeah. he um, he writes this multi book massive compendium called the Cosmere, Mm -hmm. which is made up of a bunch of different fantasy books that are all kind of interconnected, not necessarily by story, but by theme and, you know, maybe multiverse different planets within this thing. It's, you know, it's an incredibly popular Mm -hmm. topic right now because you have Marvel and DC Mm -hmm. movies all exploring their multiverses and it just becomes this big thing. Sarah J. Mass is now also. So part of a sort of, she's creating a universe, not just like individual. And another one actually is Christopher Paolini who wrote the Aragon series. Those were super popular. I was obsessed with those in middle school. He just released a book. I want to say this was a year or two ago called To Sleep in a Sea of Stars, which he is going to be part of his giant universe. I believe it's called the Fractalverse. So I think he has another one coming out in that. But yeah, everyone is, it seems anyway, in the fantasy and sci-fi genres have really decided to just create these massive universe, like universes with a whole host of people in them. So yeah, I wonder, I wonder why, like, I I can't imagine that it's just because of the Marvel movies being big. I mean, Mm -mm. crossovers have always been popular when you think about like television and sitcoms, but I wonder what it is, if it's a generational thing, if it's just really popular with our generation right now. Mm -hmm. And if that has to do with the internet and being so connected and I I have no idea what it is, but it seems like everybody wants to create a massive sprawling multi property crossover Mm -hmm. extravaganza. Yeah. Well, and I mean, especially with like Brandon Sanderson, who we brought up, for example, he has been writing for forever and he's one of those like kind of like Stephen King who somehow it's like, how do you write that fast? How do you get all these books out? And a lot of his books are very thick, hefty works and what requires like a lot of advanced planning to make those connections. And it's like, okay, so how long has he been writing? How long has that been planning? So did he have this idea, you know, way back before we had, you know, we were talking about this concept of the internet and being connected and drawing everybody together. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Or I wonder if it's just these like these multiverses come together because of, Hey, I already have these four franchises and because I'm a person and people get fixated on themes. Mm -hmm. uh, I have, I have woven these, these constants throughout my works. And now with just a little bit of creativity, I can physically connect them all together. And then everybody's going to go wild because, Oh, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a part of it to that. It feels like, feels like probably Sarah J. Masses was a little bit more of that. I don't think that there was a, yeah. um, a conceited effort to create an interconnected story, but there was a, at least not at first, right? Yeah, but well, there, there definitely yes. was a, hey, I've, you know, I've been dealing with these themes in all mm-hmm. of my books. Yep. I might as well actually physically connect them. Yeah. And she has three distinct series that she's working on. I haven't read one of them. The Throne of Glass, which you had brought up before. I don't. I think that might just be called the Throne of Glass series. I don't. I, I think you're I, right. Yeah. I don't really like when book series makes the title of their first book the title of the entire series because it just throws me off. I like the opposite one where just one of the books becomes like 
what people call it, even though it's not that. So Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. that's just the name of the first book, but mm-hmm. the series is called The Song of Ice and Fire. Fire. Yeah. Well, same thing with Sarah J. Mass's other series, The Crescent City. They had made this stupid design choice. They had made the series title, Crescent City, very large on the cover. And then the actual title, The House of Earth and Blood, very small on the cover. So everyone thought that it was called Crescent City, but they're like, wait, this is actually the series name and not the, so nobody ever remembers. But what I was going to say with her Throne of Glass stuff, which is the first series that she had written, she had started those when she was like 17, 18 years old. How many books in that? I think there's like seven or so books in that series, but which I have not read all of those, but there is one point in that series where I'm not sure if she had conceptualize this interconnection or not yet, but people are now looking back to this one scene and they're like, oh, oh, you know, kind of moment. Yeah, so, so this I'm could like, be the beginnings of yeah, and idea. you know, all of this it just kind of comes together, which is fun. Right. Yeah. You know? I think I think that that's book talk out of the way. Let's talk writing talk. Mm-hmm. You have a featured piece in the Winter magazine, which is mm-hmm. coming out very soon if you're listening to this as it comes out. Uh, I believe you'll be able to get your hands on it as early as next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sat down with Jill Stuckenberg, who's a local author, and you kind of learned her mm-hmm. story. If you read the Pulse last week, I believe you also had some additional information about Jill in there. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me tell me about Jill. Who is she and what does she write? So Jill went to Sturgeon Bay High School and she just released her debut novel in September called News of the Air. And it had been a project she was working on for many years. She's also a professor. She currently teaches for the UW Stevens Point School and lives in Wausau now. So she had been writing kind of in between with her school and like teaching and she has a son as well. So it just kind of took her a while to kind of put it all together, but that makes sense. takes a while to write a book. And she had been submitting her manuscripts. There's this publisher called Black Lawrence Press, which published her book and they host a contest every year called the Big Moose Prize for fiction. And as part of, you know, when you win, you get your book published. So she had submitted this manuscript two times previous to this award. The first time she was a semi-finalist, second time she was a finalist. And she had been considering submitting for that third time, but, you know, I was like, maybe this is too desperate. You know, I don't know about this, but she decided to go for it because she had been working on it and made a lot of updates and she ended up winning her third time. So goes to show don't give up keep pushing keep working hard you'll get there so yeah her story is kind of about this family who lived down in the city chicago area and this wife and husband decide to move to the north woods of wisconsin after there are some eco-terrorism kind of attacks in the city a part of her story is kind of this concept of climate change, but she didn't want to present it in like a very open, in-your-face way, kind of like how we see a lot of sci-fi or speculative fiction. You know, they might take this to the extreme. So she was like, how do I, you know, present the way that climate change actually works, which is a very slow-moving thing in a realistic way and how it actually will affect people so this family moves up to the Northwoods and they purchase a like fishing resort and they raise their daughter up there and everything seems to be going fine. You know, 
everyone, it's been like 18 years. So now their daughter has grown up and these two like mysterious kids kind of show up at their dock on a canoe one day. And it just starts off this whole chain of events of family and discovering yourself and learning things and trying to navigate this new world and the small ways that it has changed over the years. And, um, yeah, it's really good. I would recommend it. Interesting. Is it yeah. like a, a drama or a mystery or um, how would you classify it? I mean, technically, and as Jill has also labeled it after the fact, it's like eco fiction. So similarly, earlier this year, I had talked to one of our HAL Prize judges, Joshua Philip Johnson, who his book is Eco Fantasy. So kind of same concept, but it's just not in the fantasy category, but the fiction category. I don't know if I would necessarily place it in like a thriller or mystery necessarily. I mean, there's a little bit of mystery surrounding the kids, but I feel like really at its heart, it's a story about a family and connections between people. So I would probably just, you know, eco-fiction, general fiction kind of category. Yeah. Interesting. I love, I love when like major events in our world spark new genres of mm-hmm. media. So climate yeah. change, ecofiction. You think about like cyberpunk mm-hmm. came about because of the technological revolution, the beginnings mm-hmm. of it in yeah. the 80s. But then also a huge part of cyberpunk is like this Japanese influence because Japan was at the height of their economic power in the mm-hmm. 80s. And there was yeah. this kind of like fear that they were going to take over all production of all electronics yeah. and we were just going to mm-hmm. be slowly absorbed into their massive yeah. uh, wealth. But yeah, it, it, it's always interesting to see new genres of work mm-hmm. like coming out and being like, yeah. whoa. Or v- like very distinct like sub, you know, subcategories because you have like the overarching like fiction category or fantasy category and then you have like everything under the sun underneath that. Like one of the ones that I had talked to with our fiction judge was his Eco fantasy was also, I saw a lot of people calling it hope core, which is like a very strange kind of like subgenre of writing that is, you know, just kind of like how it sounds, how there's kind of like a hopeful tone or spin to things versus something like grim dark or, yeah. you know, what have you. Probably not created by, but definitely probably mm-hmm. bolstered in popularity by the pandemic mm-hmm. as a reaction to, oh, yeah. you know, the world isn't always as hopeful as we might like. So mm-hmm. let's just, you know, double down. I actually heard, um, do you remember like twee fashion? Twee fashion. Yeah. So like manic pixie dream girl, okay. like that whole kind of like style. I had heard somebody say that it was a, like a direct response to nine 11 because it was young people mm-hmm. like late teenagers all of a sudden having their naivete like completely or their innocence completely broken by this crazy event in America and then responding by just doubling down on childlike or more aloof, Mm -hmm. like a more aloof personality. And it was Mm -hmm. just this like wild course correction from, whoa, okay, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't deal with that right now. So I'm just going to like double down in fantasy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's, I see that as, you know, in my free time, a lot of the media that I consume on social or socials and things like that are all book related content because I'm obsessed and I, you know, I love everything about books and I can't stop listening to people talk about it. But a lot of people that I follow, because I'm primarily a fantasy reader, are also people that read fantasy, but a lot of them 
especially in the like the last year or so have really been switching over to like contemporary romance that usually has an HEA, which means happily ever after if you are not familiar with that. So yeah, seeing people that are usually reading, you know, these thick fantasy, which fantasy can be hopeful, but a lot of it is also very sad, a lot of warfare and things like that, switching over just because life is hard sometimes, you know, and you just need a happily ever after. Well, speaking of happily ever after, I want to take a break and then I want to talk about the happiest I've been in a while, which is when Mm. you made a butterboard. So uh, we'll, we'll jump into that shortly. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, we are back. So, Grace, I've I've always known you to, A, be a bibliophile, mm-hmm. but B, also be a cheese connoisseur. Mm-hmm. And you made some really, really awesome cheese boards in the past for the office. And then you found out about something that's, you know, cheese board adjacent. But mm-hmm. when I first heard you talk about it, I was like, this, this can't be a real thing. Mm-hmm. And it's butter boards. Yeah. So what is a butterboard and how did you discover it? As with most trends, I did find out about butterboards on social media. I want to say it might have been TikTok. I saw somebody do, do it. There's just There was this one woman who kind of sparked the whole thing. She had actually taken inspiration from this chef. I believe he lives in New York City and he had written either in, I can't remember if it was like a book or just like a magazine article, he had done something similar and she had seen that and kind of took it and, you know, made a few little tweaks to it, but she was inspired by this chef and butter boards like their name. It's basically just butter spread onto a board and you put stuff on it, which seems ridiculous. And it does feel a little ridiculous doing it. It feels unnatural, but yeah, it's pretty tasty. Yeah, it is. It is basically the final evolution of mm-hmm. a cheese board. So cheese board is, you know, cheese and nuts and honey and kind of a lighter affair. And then you mm-hmm. go to charcuterie where you start introducing meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the final evolution is butter board, which is just yeah. a plate full mm-hmm. of butter with fixings on it. it. Yeah. So walk me through the butter board that you made in the mm-hmm. office yeah. last week. So I took inspiration. I did a lot of reading up on butter boards and, you know, the different toppings that people put on them. Basically, you can pretty much put anything you want on there, which is kind of nice. If you have the butter, you can just look through your cupboard and see what you have. And if you like it, just put it on there. But I was trying to find something that might have had more Thanksgiving flavors since we have Thanksgiving coming up. So what I used was unsalted butter. I started with unsalted. Depending on what your toppings are, I would recommend salted or unsalted. Probably want to go with a more high quality butter too, because that's the main ingredient. You probably yes. want to get the best butter you can get. Right? Yeah. I used Kerrygold, which might be a little controversial for some people in Wisconsin. <laughs> I was just talking to um, Kate Shanks, who works in the office. She, she doesn't work in the office. She works remotely and comes in sometimes. And <laughs> she had said to me something about like, wow, that was a daring choice because up until 
recently you couldn't buy Kerrygold butter in Wisconsin. Huh. And I did not know that. And it was just a basically, you know, this, you know, wanting to support Wisconsin dairy. So they didn't want this Irish butter coming in. I didn't know that. I didn't do it on purpose. It just happened to be right there, easy. It was in the block that I needed. So I grabbed it. But yes, definitely use a high quality butter. If you're going to be putting a lot of salty things on it, use unsalted butter. If you're not, then go with salted. And then I also put on it, we had some salted and roasted pumpkin seeds, chopped walnuts and cranberries. And I cooked up some bacon and chopped up some bacon, put that on there. What else? I think the two big ones for me were the cranberries, the salt flakes. Yes, I used salt flakes and basil, which was really tasty. I used a little bit of shallot because I also had chives on there. I chopped up some chives, so I didn't want it to be too oniony. Yeah, and then the salty, the salty salt, the flaky salt, and actually just like a little squeeze of lemon as well to kind of freshen it up. Okay, so just to paint a picture, mm-hmm. this was the most incredible taste sensation <laughs> I think I've ever had because butter is good mm-hmm. just in general, but it is a creamy, savory base. Mm-hmm. And then you just add to it. Well, I mean, normally you add butter to other things, but mm-hmm. this time you're adding to butter. Mm-hmm. And so you had the the walnuts for and the, the pumpkin seeds for crunch. You had the mm-hmm. bacon for a savory treat. The salt flakes really enhanced mm-hmm. that creamy flavor. And then the dried cranberries mixed with the lemon was like, you had this really like creamy, savory, salty, but then, ooh, ooh what's that? A mm-hmm. surprise. There's mm-hmm. this like fruity, and then, and then the lemon came in. It was, it was just, it was a, a treat for mm-hmm. the palate. I am so excited that it turned out well, honestly, because I had not made one before. We had talked about it, and I was curious in trying it because I do love cheese boards so much. And a lot of people, like in these articles that I've been reading, were like, oh, step aside, cheese boards. You know, like the butter board's going to take over, which I don't think because I feel like they are very, like, intrinsically two very different experiences and nothing, in, in my opinion, can replace a cheese board. A butter board is just kind of like a new, fun alternative, I guess. We should also mention for the people who are still like twisting their face up at this, you do need a butter delivery system, which is we use Mm -hmm. toasted bread. Yes. Uh, Yeah. You don't just like scoop up, you know, like a spoonful of butter and eat it. Um, (laughs) I used some French bread and you can put it in your oven and kind of do like crostini style, but I didn't personally, I thought if it was crostini, it's going to be like way too hard and you're going to be really, you know, chomping into this hard crusty piece of bread which is good in in some circumstances but all I did was put the french bread in my toaster like I had to really keep an eye on it but just to add like that layer on the outside where it kind of just warms it up adds like a little bit of crunch to it but it's still kind of you know soft in the middle right toasted bread I'm assuming crackers would be a good delivery method Mm -hmm. buns maybe because when you start when you when you realize that you're putting it on something then it becomes less of a I'm eating butter Mm -hmm. and more like I'm eating buttered bread right I think that's more like your brain Mm -hmm. can wrap itself around that better yeah for Um, sure it was strange spreading that much butter just like on a flat surface right it was very like i think that was it's such an easy thing to put together but the hardest part was just 
trying to spread the butter out on the surface. You know, you have to obviously soften it before you start. Don't put it in the microwave. I do have a little... You don't want watery butter. No, you don't want like fully melted liquid butter that you'd put on your popcorn or something like that. I do have a little trick that I mentioned in the story on how to soften your butter if you need to get it a little softer before. But yeah, I found that I had tried to... We have a... For some reason, we have a pie server in our office. I know. People bring in snacks so much, I guess we just have to have it around. And I tried that at first, but it wasn't really working. But I found a spoon. The back rounded side of the spoon kind of really worked. So if you, you know, are looking for something to use, try a spoon. Right. So you mentioned that you you wrote about the experience. Um, I'm assuming the recipe, tips mm-hmm. and tricks, all that stuff is yep. going to be right on the front page of the arts and entertainment section this week. So pick it up this weekend. Try a butterboard. It like if you're still on the fence. Don't be. It is wildly good. We were very civil about it. We used knives to scoop the butter onto mm-hmm. our bread. But I mean, if you if you want to go crazy and just scoop it right off the board, I mm-hmm. think that's more the traditional style yeah, of sure. doing it. But this this is a whole new world, I think. I, the mm-hmm. butterboard you made was incredible. I would love to see other people's versions you know, versions of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, if you, I'm going to sign you up for this, Grace. If you oh, okay. make a butterboard yeah. based off of Grace's article and you make your own spin on it, or maybe you already, maybe this is, you know, old news to you. Maybe you've been doing butterboards for a while. Please email Grace at Peepulse with all your butterboard yes. photos and tips because I, I want to keep this ball rolling throughout the winter. I think everybody needs to try it this winter. Mm-hmm. Nothing better than a big spoonful of butter to get you through the winter. I Seriously. Is there anything else that we have to talk about before we wrap up? I think the, the last thing that I wanted to mention is that the How Prize yes. is coming out very, very soon. Mm-hmm. People will be able to get their hands on the book, I think, next week. I think I we're going to so. have it for the first time in our hands tomorrow, Friday. Mm-hmm. So people will be able to get it very, very soon. We are going to announce the winners of the How Prize, which is our literary prize. We're going to announce the winners in the Pulse next week. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it should be should be very exciting. We will we will do a whole episode next week talking about the Hal yep. Prize and, and all that kind of stuff. But I just wanted to put it on people's radars that it's coming yes. up. Yes, yes, definitely. I'm very excited about this year. We had a few changes and some additions, and we are every year we're just kind of trying to elevate it and um, make it better and make our systems better. And one of the big things that we did this year was brought in a panel of authors from our community and typically because we get so many submissions we can't unfortunately give all of those to our judges so in the past we've had people from right under county who's one of our big partners in this project as well as the pulse office do that screening process but this year we brought in people from the community that are you know have been published in fiction and poetry and things like that to do that so We were all very hands-off in the office this year during that portion of the contest, which was great. So for me, this will be the first time that I have not, you know, pre-read any of the stories. And once we get it, when I will be reading through, I will be seeing these kind of for the first time as well. Because while we were putting it all together, I didn't want to spend the time reading them. I kind of wanted to read it in the book presentation for the first time and So I'm really excited about that and kind of really bringing it back to the community and really grounding it in the community by bringing these panel people on board. Yeah, there there was a lot of community buy-in. I think there will be even more moving forward because we had some local winners and it's going to be 
it, it'll be a really cool book for people to have and for people to show off both the people who, who entered and also like people who are just proud of the writing community in this in this county I think it's yeah. gonna be really cool well Grace thank you so much for coming yeah. in and chatting with me and uh, look forward to chatting with you again next week yeah for sure Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.